0: Hello, and thanks for
1: joining us here for episode 636 with Eric Papp. If you felt some frustration that you don't quite seem to be advancing on your most important priorities, well, Eric is bringing the goods to help you do just that. So you'll learn, one, the key question that cuts your tasks in half, two, the strategy that makes plans stick, and three, the key to starting off your week right. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced... Check out awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP636. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, check out some cool stuff like our Gold Nugget email summaries, which provide the summarized insights from Eric in an email you can read in about two or three minutes, as well as access to the vaults of every one of these Gold Nugget summaries of all 636 guests. We call those the Gold Nuggets at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now, here's Eric's story. Eric Papp has a successful history of delivering proven strategies to increase productivity and performance in a complex world. Before becoming the success he is today, Eric earned his BA from the University of Notre Dame. He founded Agape Leadership LOC, an intellectual capital firm focusing on leadership and sales for business performance, with the sole purpose of driving leaders and their teams to success. Eric is a successful author and public speaker since 2010, where he's worked with thousands of managers to aid teams toward their success. He's been evaluated as one of the top management trainers in North America for his expertise in leadership effectiveness. His books, Leadership by Choice and Three Values of Being an Effective Person, published by John Wiley and Sons, are both top sellers and recognized for their unique impact on the business world. Eric currently lives in Tampa, Florida with his wife, Brienne and their daughter, Eliana. In his spare time, Eric frequents his local church, engages the community, and practices the kettlebell. Big thanks to Eric for sharing his wisdom with us. Big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free Here is Eric. Eric, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Hey, Pete, thanks for having me. Well, I am excited to dig into your wisdom. And I know one thing you're excited about is the kettlebell. I like your shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Could you read it for the audience who's listening?
2: Oh, man, it says, I got a fever. And the only prescription is more kettlebell, which, of course, is a play on the SNL Skit with Will Ferrell, uh, where he's talking about more cowbell. You know,
1: that's right, that's right. And and what do you love about the kettlebell? And and uh, what what should we know if we're at home and not going into the gym (laughs) about kettlebell workouts?
2: Oh man, it combines all three: strength, endurance, and flexibility. And it is probably one of the most effective pieces of equipment, bar none. Kettlebell swings to build endurance and flexibility. Turkish get ups to build overall strength. And it's incredible in terms of, you know, you do 10, 20 minutes and the, the return on, it, on time is, uh, is phenomenal.
1: Now you got my attention. The return in terms of of energy, in terms of strength, they're feeling amazing. What kind of return are we talking about?
2: Yeah, all the above. In terms of returning, you know, and they've done some studies like when someone's doing the kettlebell swing based upon how many you know, your metabolic rate and all this stuff, it's like equivalent to like running like a six minute mile. (laughs) And then one of the great things obviously in the situation that we're in now is you can do it from the comforts of your own home. And, uh, that's also by the time it takes you to go in your car and go to the gym and come back, you can already be done with your,
1: your training. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I like effective, I like returns and we're talking about just that productivity and, and, and better thinking versus more effort is a a title of, of one of your keynotes. That sounds right up our alley. So tell us what's, what's the big idea there?
2: yeah better thinking versus more effort. you know, I think so often than not, as knowledge workers, and especially being here in America, there's always a pressure to do more, get in there early, stay later, climb the ladder and and that 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 is good in a sense. And even for companies too, right? Oh, take on more projects, let's do more initiatives, let's get more, you know, joint ventures going. And that can be good to some degree, but then also it breeds a lot of complexity. It breeds a lot of, okay, we got our hand in a lot of different things. What are we really focused on? What are we really moving the needle? And better thinking is really taken about, you know, taking a step back and identifying the two or three projects. That we can really move the mile as opposed to trying to move 100 things an inch. And, and that's really what it comes down to, is to be able to subtract and to simplify and then get to a higher level of performance or productivity.
1: That sounds great. And so by doing better thinking, you're able to exert less effort and get similar or, or superior results. Could you Paint a picture of that for us, maybe the case of a particular person or client or study, like just how much is possible if we go down this route. So on a macro level, uh, on a company personal level that everybody knows,
2: Apple, Steve Jobs, right? The listeners out there, probably 70, 80 percent of your listeners have some form of Apple product, whether it's an iPhone or MacBook Pro, whatever it is. Steve Jobs is, is, in a sense, forced out of his own company that he creates. He comes back right around 1996, 1997. In that time frame, Apple is just on the ropes, and once again, they were trying to do too much. They had they had their hand in everything: scanners, printers, you name it. And he comes back, and a family friend asks him. They said, "Steve, what desktop computer should we buy? You know, you've got 17 of them that Apple offers." And he says, "Shoot, I don't even know." so he cut down all the desktop computers and only did one. He says, okay, we're going to cut everything out, all the desktop, we're just going to produce one. He really did a great example of better thinking versus more effort. And it requires... That ability to take a step back to really to do the hard thinking, and that's a lot of times what we don't want to do because we want the quick fix. We want, and then we want to just kind of stay busy, and then that kind of consumes us, consumes our time. So, and then look what happened to Apple. And I mean, if you had stock, if you bought Apple stock, you know, in in the early, I mean, two uh, thousands or even late nineteen nineties, I mean, it just it's incredible. My father-in-law had Apple stock; he still does. It's just mind-boggling the return he's made on that. And that, a large part, comes to Steve Jobs coming back, applying better thinking versus more effort.
1: And that, that does resonate in terms of whether it's a business with their products or an, an individual with the, the to-do list and just what you can accomplish there.
2: Oh, yeah. I was going to say on a micro level. So a colleague of ours, right? James Clear, he wrote the book Atomic Habits. He started off 2011, 2012, just writing a newsletter. Would write one on Monday, I think, or write one on Thursday. Within the first year, he had, I want to say, around 100,000 subscribers. And then that's all he did. I think he had a day job at the same time and then just kept building on that, building on that. Then writes a book. And, uh, and then his newsletter just went over 1 million subscribers. And it's absolutely mind-boggling, right? So that's a, that's a great testament to, okay, sticking with the one thing and really getting good at that and, and staying the course.
1: All right. Well, so I'm into that. And, and tell us then, with this better thinking, are there some key questions in terms of identifying, you know, what is the stuff that makes the impact and what is the stuff that, that we should cut?
2: First thing I look at is subtraction, right? One of the questions to ask ourselves is, hey, if I stop doing this, would anything happen? <laughs> would anybody notice? Because a lot of times we do things out of obligation or we do things because, oh, that's what the person did before me or, oh, that's what I've always done. So that's a great question to ask ourselves. If I stop doing this or these activities, what's the impact? And a lot of times there's not an impact. And so that's a great way because we want to start to allow ourselves that that room, that that space, it's kind of like, I think it was Claude Bristol that said, you know, it's the space between the notes that creates the music. Mm-hmm. And I think we really need more of that, that ability to not fill our day up with everything and anything, because we really need, things are going to come up as they naturally do. But also we need that time to just go in for a walk, that thinking time to take a step back. And by not filling our, our calendar up and everything, it, it allows that that room for us to really start to process and analyze okay these projects are they really important you know uh, are we really making progress or are we just kind of going through the motions so the first part i would say is to subtract second part would be to really then look at is to to simplify and to see okay of all the complexity how can we make this simpler you know how can we make this easier how can we re- reduce the friction to get the result
1: that we want yes i, I love that and you know, that's intriguing in terms of, would anybody notice if I stopped doing this? I guess, how do you get the answer to that? One, you could just try it. <laughs> try stop doing it yeah. and see if anyone reaches out to you. Yeah, other ways you recommend it in terms of, I think if you're in organizations and collaborating with folks, there could be some resistance in terms of, well, this is just what we do. This is what we've always done. Or or <clears> this <throat> is how this works. That is the process. So any any thoughts on how, when it's, there's other stakeholders and people in the mix you interact with them to get things moving I use a couple tools that I created
2: one the effectiveness process another tool called uh, organizing clarify your thinking to really get the goal impact and focus down because a lot of times in organizations people just launch into projects and they don't know what's the desired outcome they don't know what success looks like they don't know what's the time involved who else can we collaborate with things that you think are basic and then the person gets tasked with something, and then they're not fully doing it, and then the manager gets upset or the director gets upset, and that's where we get back to, you know, like I was saying earlier, moving 100 things an inch. So I think you know, right from, from the start of it is just is for all of us you know, to spend more time in the asking ourselves the questions, okay, what's my desired outcome? What does success look like? What's the impact if I do this? What's the impact if I don't do this? And then do I have the bandwidth right now to carry this out? What level of a priority is this for me? Is this a, a top three, or is this not, you know just a good idea? Because the key thing we always have to remember as human beings is we will always generate more ideas than there is the ability and our capacity to execute them, and that is where I see kind of the downfall. Even as entrepreneurs, you know, managers, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or it doesn't matter if you're inside of a company, but you know, we'll always have good ideas, but always remember that our capacity to execute all them, we don't have that. And so we really have to be diligent of selecting just a few and then really going deep
1: with with what we've selected. And so then we zeroed in on what to eliminate. And then I'd like to get some indicators then on, let's just imagine, okay, we had a hundred ideas or there's a hundred things vying for our attention and hey, great job. We successfully eliminated half of them which is cool. And so we are twice as clear as we were before. Uh, Nonetheless, how do you recommend that we zero in from, I guess, the semifinalists to those top three?
2: Yeah, great question. And it goes with what is our desired future? You know, what's the future that we're living into? At any point in our lives, we're always thinking we're either in three different mindsets. You know, we're in the past, we're like, oh man, 2019 was such a great year, and we were mm-hmm. gathering, and we did this, and our company did this, or I, you know, or we are in the present. Okay, what am I doing right now? What's important right now? You know, that acronym WIN, what's important now? Or we're in the future. We're thinking about, hey, where do I want to be? And sometimes, We have to be very mindful of how we're thinking because sometimes we're dominated by the past. We're oh my gosh, I can't. You know, this is so bad. I can't. You know, I wish it was this time. I wish it was. And so asking ourselves, okay, what's the desired future that I want, and then just backtracking it. You know, it's okay. What's the desired future, and then now what are the projects that I think will will get us there? And a lot of times we often we we overestimate what we can do in a day, but yet we underestimate what we can do in a year.
1: Yep, I think that's true. And talking about those timeline horizons with the the day and the year. You've got uh, something you've created called the Weekly Strategy Sheet. Tell us, how do we think about that and use it to plan priorities?
2: Yeah, uh, so often than not, where this kind of came from, Pete, is when you ask people, he would say, like, hey, what'd you do last week? Oh, they'd look at you and it's kind of like, uh, you know, they they really couldn't give a definitive answer. It was like, oh I do, I got a lot of emails done. Um, I was mm-hmm. in a lot of meetings. Uh and so this is really to give people a high-level overview, a high-level strategy of okay, what's what's most important this week? You know, well, first off, it's there's three parts. It's past, present, and future. And the idea is okay, we celebrate our past. We connect with our, our present here and then we commit to, to the future. And so the idea is over time, is as we're planning our weeks, is to see some synergy between the past, present, and future. You know, we identify, so in the past, celebrate the past. Okay, great. What are the top three or five accomplishments I accomplished last week that were very meaningful to me in my business, you know, or in my role? Okay, great. I'm going to list them down because that's going to give us confidence. Our confidence comes from seeing the progress and what matters most to us and whether that's personal or professional. So great. We can see that. When you write it down, it helps us keep moving forward. But a lot of times in our culture, we don't. We, we focus on where we are and where we want to go. <laughs> and I call that, you got to be careful because that's kind of frustration, Bill. Right? That's comparison. That's, oh man, well, I see this person on social media. Oh, I see this. So I, I get people to take a look back and to see all the progress that, that they're making and have this on a weekly basis. And then the middle part then is we're looking to Really, kind of connect with the present. Okay, what are my top three weekly priorities this week? If everything goes to, you know, H.E. Double Hockey Sticks, what's the three most important things I want to get done? I want to accomplish, and then the the future. You know, what? And I, and I the future. Planet. I use the OKR method: objective and key results. And the what do you want to accomplish, and how you're going to get it done? And like I said, the old, the whole idea of using the weekly strategy sheet. It takes under twenty minutes to plan it out, but is so important because. A lot of times as knowledge workers, we don't plan our weeks. We just go from one week to the next and we kind of kid ourselves that, oh, something will be different or, oh, this will, you know, this will turn around. But if we don't really get a handle on the planning aspect,
1: then the execution kind of falls short. And so I'm curious, so we got the weekly strategy sheet. And so then you can reference it at the end of the week. Uh, it's, it's written, it's there. You see, hey, this is what I accomplished. That's cool. And you zero in on on those top three priorities Uh, How do you think about it in terms of, I guess, scheduling or calendaring or or putting time against those things uh, within the week? Well, you got
2: to you got to have a day where you actually you spend time to plan, you know, allowing having a planning day. I like to do mine on a Friday. Sometimes I do it on a Thursday, you know, late afternoon. But when you have that time to really devote to the planning and you're not trying to fill up your week either. You're not trying to, you're just saying, okay, what are the three most important things? And also two, those three most important things, you might get those done in two days and that might very well be, you know, and that that's okay, but it's really to give you
1: a better sense of clarity and organization. So within that planning time, and so it sounds like this isn't a 10 minute operation, but it's a bit more in depth. What are you doing with that planning time?
2: yeah you're just going from left to right, you know past, present, and future. so I've got my weekly strategy sheet. It's sitting right here on my desktop, and this is the week of January fourth through the eighth and boom, okay, I celebrate the past, I write down you know my top five accomplishments, and I mix in one personal or two personal in there as well, and then I check in with the present, what are my top three weekly priorities, and then what's for the future, my objective and key results and and that can change as well but you 'll see you know when you ask people, "Hey, do you plan your week?" A lot of people don't, and then some people that do kind of quickly plan their week, the more that we spend time planning our week and really being diligent about that a you 'll get better at it and b you 'll be able to get your priorities done and things done with a, a lot greater intention and that 's the kind of the cool thing, and you'll and you'll actually have more time you know you'll be accomplishing more. And and you'll have more time when things come up, or to that you'll be more able to be more flexible. You know, I I, th- I think one of the things it gives people is it, it helps relieve some of this, uh, you know, the pressure
1: of time that a lot of people are are faced with nowadays. So you're making maybe doing an hour with the weekly strategy sheet planning process, or roughly how long are you putting in there?
2: Yeah, yeah, about I'd say it's about an hour. I mean, I sometimes I'll go. You know What I'll do is I'll take two cracks at it. I'll, I'll look at it Friday and then I might look at it again on Monday and just make some adjustments just to make sure that, okay, I'm on track for this week. But it really gives me that structure and it really gives me that the guidance. Because the other thing too is as knowledge workers, our confidence is we have to protect that. right. And so if we know as human beings, if I'm making progress... That I'm feeling good about myself, and so that's that's so important and and knowing that i'm I'm progressing towards where I want to go, and so by doing this, it really helps us with that so yeah, it's about you know an hour or, or some people have done it under an hour. I'm typically around
1: that depending upon how detail I get with it and so you you're saying that that hour you spend there ends up saving. Significantly more than one hour during the course of of executing the week tremendously
2: yeah and i don 't remember who said it or where I read it, but it was something like for every minute you spend planning, it gives you ten additional minutes or you save ten additional minutes or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's kind of like that 10 to one ratio. Yeah. And so that, that's why the the planning is so important. And, you know, you get better at it too, as, as you go on, a lot of times we just start our day very reactive, right? When I say reactive, we just start our day. We watch the news, listen to the news, or we start our day reading emails, checking emails. And so that we're not really proactive. We're just responding to whatever's in our inbox, whatever's most pressing. And often
1: what's a priority gets masked with, you know, a hundred different other things. And if folks have a hard time letting go, because I I think what could be perhaps a mistake, and you tell me about the biggest mistakes you see when folks are trying to manage their time, is you say, okay, these are the really critical priorities. And so we kind of go after those, but we don't really subtract. You know, we don't really let go of the other things. And then we're just sort of extra stressed because it's like, well, no, I really identified and I'm totally clear that these things are critical, but I'm still doing everything else so if there's an emotional hurdle and or a hump or resistance how do you recommend we get through that you're spot on pete It's absolutely right because i'll
2: see people like oh i need more time or oh yeah like i'll say i'll recommend a book or something like oh i don't even have time to read this and that and it's like you you're just you're not planning you're not prioritizing that's really what it comes down to because you're trying to do everything and you're regarding everything as has the same level of importance when it doesn't. And so then you can't multiply your output and you can't leverage what you're doing. So one of the things I, I share with people is come at it with like a spirit of like experimentation, you know, experiment of like trial and error. A lot of times we want certainty as human beings. We want to know, hey, if I do this, it's going to give me this. Or if I don't do this, this will alleviate this problem. And so it's like, hey, just just test it out, you know. And then also, I share too, the idea of when you give yourself less time, we tend to be more productive. Uh, A little story, a little side note on this. it's, It's when Franklin Delano Roosevelt, when he was president, he had an advisor, Harry Hopkins. And Harry, due to some health issues and such, could only work three to four hours a day. However, he was one of most one of the most effective advisors for FDR, Winston Churchill went so far to call him like Lord heart of the matter. (laughs) And the reason why is, Hey, he only had three, four hours. So then therefore it really caused him to think deliberately about, okay, what am I going to do in the time that I do have? Because there's that whole Parkinson's law, right? And work expands to fill the time necessary for its completion. So if we, if we give ourselves eight hours a day, we're going to fill it with eight hours. If we give ourselves 10 hours there, we're going to fill it with 10 hours. And so that's a very interesting thing. And you'll see this not only from a time standpoint, but you'll also see this from like a storage standpoint. Like when somebody has a house, you know, they just, they went from like, let's say a thousand square foot house to a 2000 square foot house. Well, over time, they're going to fill that house up with stuff. Why? Because they're just going to fill it up with stuff, you know? So it, it takes a deliberate level of discipline and just mindfulness too of okay, hey, we don't want to be overcluttered. I don't want to be overwhelmed. Just because I have the capacity doesn't mean I need to buy more stuff. So that's that's kind of the the, the idea on that. But yet
1: somehow we end up shooting ourselves in the foot by just adding more and, and doing more. All right, thank you. And I know you've also zeroed in on some key habits of of super achievers. Can you tell us what are they and how do we go about developing them?
2: Yeah, I'd say some of the habits of superachievers number 1 is to get a real clear sense and we've talked about this a little bit earlier of what your future is of what what you know knowing what it is that you want in your future that's a key thing the second thing is I would say is knowing what are some of your unique talents Super achievers are very good at knowing what their unique talents are, and then spending time working on those talents. And then after a while, people take a step back. Wow, that's a master at work. Wow, that person's uh, you know they're at the top of their field. So that's a big thing. Is okay, I, you know, knowing what you want, and then knowing your talents, what you're good at, or what you like to do, and then really spending time. Learning more every day and getting better, making you know, just getting one percent better. Reading more, talking to people, and then when you take a step back, then you see, then you're kind of regarded as like a super achiever. People are like, wow, that person, you know, look what, look at the the gains they've made. And it's not anything that they're extraordinary. In some cases, I mean, it, it's the talent is is there already, but other cases, it's the talent has been cultivated. You know, over and over, it's kind of like a you know, like a water dropping on on a stone. It's just that over and over and over, that repetitive nature, eventually it changes the stone and it forms a stone into something
1: unique. Well, Eric, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things?
2: No, I think we're right on track. We're doing great. Okay. Well, could you share a favorite quote, something you
1: find inspiring?
2: Well, one of them I already mentioned, uh, and I, it's a quote that's just, it's been top of mind, you know, our capacity to generate ideas will always be greater than our ability to execute.
1: Okay. And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
2: A lot of what I'm saying is, is in alignment with uh, Richard Koch, his idea on the eighty twenty eighty twenty principle. And and what I'm talking about is kind of, you know, from Pareto and, and going back and looking at that. So a lot of that is, you know, if somebody wants to explore more, or go
1: deeper into being able to identify priorities and such, so that'd be good to, to look at. Yeah, that is a great one. And I think a lot of people have heard about the 80-20 rule. But he's just like, you're not taking it nearly far enough. Like, that's the thing that hits it over and over again. Each chapter is like, all right, man, you got it. And how about a favorite tool? Something you use to be awesome at your job? I would say uh, a notebook that I have.
2: Uh, I've got the priority planner that I use, it's something that I created, it's in its third edition. And this keeps me focused because it's the way I've, I've created. It. It's three wins from yesterday. So it causes me every day to write down what were my accomplishments from the exact day before. So this helps keep my confidence high. And that's one of the top things I need to protect as a knowledge worker. And then it says, you know, three priorities for today. So it's asking me, okay, what are my three priorities? And sometimes I just only identify one or two. And then that way I feel great about accomplishing that. And the next part I have, stay curious, stay creative. I ask questions throughout the day. I think that's important too, is write down questions. When questions come up, just write them down. If you don't know the answer to them, because a lot of times we get stuck with, oh, I don't know how to figure that out. Oh, and it's very easy to kind of throw up our hands or say, oh, that's not, you know, that's somebody else's responsibility. That's somebody else's department. But just write down a question, because there's a great chance that you just kind of sit with it. You'll get the idea. We'll come to you later on. And any other
1: favorite habits for you personally?
2: spending time taking care of yourself physically whether it's going for a walk i I go for occasionally morning walks i also cycle i became you know i've got uh, the peloton here so cycling and that's great because it's a it's low impact on the knees and then obviously the kettlebell so alternating between cardio and strength so exercise is such an important part and not so much just from like a vanity standpoint but from so much from a it clears your mind it's it's i can't tell you how many times where I've just gone for a walk or I've gone on a bike ride. And then I'll come back with like three great ideas that I'll write down, you know, just Mm -hmm. some different things or an email to ask somebody or a question. And then spending time in scripture with the Bible, just reading some of the New Testament. I, I do a little thing called Lectio Divina. And I'll read a little small passage of the New Testament. And then just kind of just ask questions, just journal from there. And then also every day in the morning, I usually just start to write. I just kind of start typing or or writing just to kind of empty, purge all the stuff in my head, whatever it is. you know, It might be questions, it might be concerns, it might be what I'm excited about, just whatever it is because I I find that to be a wonderful clearing process so I can start my day being in the present moment.
1: And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks that quote it back to you frequently?
2: Well, I would say preparation begets confidence. And that, that comes from planning your day, right? When you're prepared, when you plan your day, you kind of know where you want to go. Then when things do come up, then you have the flexibility to, to adapt. Oh, here's something that I, that I say, you know, hey, blessed are the flexible, for they shall never be bent out of shape. All right. <laughs> and, I, and I think 2020, right, was a great reminder that we all had to be flexibility. It's, it's teaching us a lesson in flexibility and also a lesson in, in resiliency. I think resiliency is such a wonderful, wonderful quality to, to have, whether you're an entrepreneur or a manager the capacity to overcome difficulties quickly because there were a lot of challenges that we experienced, and there's a lot of challenges that we're going to continue to experience as well.
1: And if folks have questions, they want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them?
2: My website, ericpapp.com. Uh, I've got some, some videos on there. The weekly strategy sheet is on there so they can download that for free and they'll get the PDF version
1: of that. And that's just ericpapp.com. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: Hey, we're starting off the year here in January. Ask yourself, how is this year going to be different for you? Not just from, you know, what are you going to do that's going to be different? You know, how are you going to get to your goals? How is it going to be different? And then, you know, when you've got that plan,
1: work it and, uh, and get your outcome that, that you want. All right, Eric, this has been a treat. I wish you lots of luck and success. In your productivity and adventures and priorities, and keep on rocking. Hey, thanks, Pete. It's it's
2: been great, man. And, and thank you for doing what what you do. I mean, having this doing over what is this episode six hundred and something? I mean, that's incredible, man.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's a lot. So that's great. We need more of this in the world. I really like Eric's take on preparation begets confidence. When you take the time to make that weekly strategy sheet, you just have all the more confidence going into the week. And if you think, oh, I don't know if I have what it takes to resist the temptations, uh, the distractions, et cetera, having that tool at your side, I think really does make a world of difference for reclaiming the focus. It's hard to be distracted from something, nay impossible, if you haven't defined what it is you're going for. And thus, by definition, what are those distractions? So big thanks to Eric. Again, those show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP636. And I hope to catch you next time. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring
1: flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets, Peppa Pig,